<laughs> so you may have noticed he's saying, oh, gods, oh, gods. And here in unity, we say there's only one power, one presence as the universe and as my life. God the good. doesn't say God's the good. However, in our practice, we have many gods, don't we? Oh, there's the gods of get God to get me a new house. There's the God of get me a relationship. There's the God of heal me now. There's the God I want new shoes. There's the God I need to get out of debt. There's the God of uh, for my parents, my cousins, the neighbors, my enemies. It's a lot of gods. And they all seem to function differently. Uh, and uh, so often, we don't think to say, oh God, what would you do in this situation? If you were human, what would you do in this situation? No. What we say is, God, this is what's going on. Fix it. Give me. Bring me. And, uh, and so what we end up with is a lot of gods in our mind and a lot of unsatisfied prayers. And so it gets confusing for that. And, and I, I didn't ask Kenneth to do that song for that lyric about the gods. I uh, asked him to do the song about the, the, the title, Waiting for Life to Begin. Because the, my talk title is called Hanging Out in the Waiting Room. And some people think, oh, have said, oh, you mean like till you die, till you get to heaven? And I said, no, till my next good. I'm hanging out in the waiting room, waiting for my next good. And I'm missing out on this good while I'm uh, hanging out over here in the waiting room. I want to read something. I think I'll get my mic stand. Okay. And I'm back. <laughs> Up we go. I am a professional. <laughs> so this comes from the book of Luke, chapter 14. And it says, now is a very important time. For now is the only time that you can take any action that will make any difference. In spite of its tendency to plan, even the ego understands the truth of the moment now. Approach the current moment with humility, which means to expect God's best, as if you do not know what the current moment is for. Approaching this moment with this attitude is only a demonstration of honesty, for you cannot know what is coming or what you should do or where you should go. By approaching this moment in honesty and humility, you open up to hear my guidance within this current moment. And so, now is a very important time. For now is the only time that you can take any action. Now, an old laugh line of mine I've liked to use in church for years is, at the sound of the tone, the time will be now. What I always know is when something happens, it happens now. It doesn't happen then in either direction. But if I am here waiting in the waiting room Hanging out. When's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? And I'm not noticing the life I'm already in. I'm waiting for my life to begin. And it will, my life will begin when I drop the weight, when I get more money, 
when God loves me, when I'm worthy of the kingdom, I will uh, do it. Uh, you know, my good's going to start one of these days as soon as I get there. So I'm going to write that book one of these days. But until I'll do, I do, I'll just hang out here in the waiting room till I can think of a title. Till I can figure out how to get it published. More books have not been written because people are trying to get it published before they have put a word to paper. And uh, put the word to paper and expect God's best. And if you hit a block, so you, you, you say, okay, so today I'll just pray. That will be my now. Now Praying will be my next good. So often we do not pray. I, I'm writing a letter for, I think it's this coming Wednesday, about when people say, well, there is no wrong way to pray, Sean. And it's like, yes, there is. There absolutely is a wrong way to pray. There's lots of wrong ways to pray. There's lots of right ways to pray, too. You know, it's not only one way to pray, but there's plenty of wrong ways to pray. And first of all, you must pray believing. You know, if you if you don't pray believing that it's even possible, you're just wasting your time. You're just doing something that you think is nice while you're hanging out in the waiting room. For it to happen by chance, even though you don't deserve it, you're totally unworthy of it happening, and uh, whatever it is. And it can be the simplest of things. Shoes, money, cash, relationship, kitchen floor, whatever. It's knowing my good is here and the next good is on its way. You know, let's do that in two parts. My current good is here and my next good is on its way. It's about to reveal itself to me, but I'm not going to pass up this good in order to uh, hang out for the next one. It's, uh, this good is fantastic, whatever it may be. And this good may be giving me all the training ground I need in order to deal and accept and receive the next good. I don't know exactly if this story has anything to do with what I'm talking about, but I remember uh, there was a pair of sneakers I wanted. I really wanted them. It was all egoic. It doesn't matter. I wanted them. And everybody in New York was out of my size. I mean, no matter where I went, those sneakers were not available. It seemed like everybody had a pair of these sneakers but me. Uh, why I wanted to join the club with these sneakers, I do not know, but I did. They looked sexy. They looked great. And all the cool guys had them. I was in my 20s, 30s at this point, And still, I, I wanted these sneakers. I went to Unity Village to study for a week. One of my trips, several trips to Unity Village. And on a Monday morning, I didn't have classes in the morning. I thought, I'm going to the mall. And then I heard, Sean, your sneakers are going to be at the mall. And so I go to the mall, and it's the downtrodden mall. It was the one closest to the village. And I went in, and there was a sneaker store. They had one pair left in my size, and they were on sale. Uh -huh. And they were not comfortable. <laughs> I got, I bought them. <laughs> I wore them. I like, oh, these hurt. <laughs> these hurt. <laughs> and I had to laugh at that. But I still proved the principle true. That I heard the voice that said, your sneakers are at the mall today, Sean. And, and they were. 
and nobody told me they were going to be on sale until I got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it fascinates me that thing. But I could be sitting around not walking because I can't have my new sneakers waiting for my new sneakers. No, I did lots of things. I went to Unity Village to study. I did lots of things. And I was expecting my sneakers to show up. And I've seen lots of things show up in in life, material things show up in life while I'm busy living life. I have also sat around trying to figure out how to get a book published before I wrote wrote any of the book. I I, I have friends who they don't pray because they don't feel they can come up with the right prayer. I had to learn how to pray. I had to study how to pray effectively. In fact, I just bought a book called Effectual Prayer. I'm teaching it in New York right now. Uh, effectual Prayer, Francis Folks. But what is effectual prayer? To me, that is one where I connect to my source. It's not a prayer where I get stuff. It's knowing if... I am uh, to manifest this thing that I want. It will only come through source. It will not come by way of my ego. It will, it will not do that. I, uh, and so, uh, David and I, when we got our house, you know, we, couldn't, we didn't know how we could afford it and everything. And I sat in this back room here and I prayed. And my prayer that came out of my mouth is, I am willing to accept and experience this house. I didn't expect that prayer. I so didn't. But I know we pray affirmatively in unity. We pray through affirmations. We pray through denials. I also knew in that prayer, I'm willing to experience this house. No, nobody gets a house without an issue or a hundred issues. <laughs> you know, a house is all about maintenance. It's all about stuff coming up. It's all about pipes and electricity and all that. But... We like this house. I saw how I heard. I am willing to accept this house. And then I heard a voice say, are you? <laughs> and I did. And I looked through my body. And I couldn't find any places of resistance to it. So I called David. And I said, David, I just did this prayer. I said, are you willing to experience this house? And he said, yes. And I said, are you? And he said, yes. And then it was too, well, I'm not going to go into the whole story here, but a lot of convoluted stuff that suddenly we could afford this house easily and effortlessly. And we're still living in this house, and it's 2021, and that was 2005. And the the owners were thrilled to sell to David Friedman. They loved his music and everything. They didn't know us personally. But when they heard it was him, they said, oh, my goodness, we love it. Our our closing was a love fest. (laughs) And uh, so 2005 to 2021, we've had lots of issues in the wiring (laughs) <laughs> floods, uh, everything but locusts, really. Uh, <laughs> however, we've had bees. <laughs> termites, fruit flies. Yeah, termites, bees, mice. fruit flies, yeah. Uh, no, no mice in the house. No, mice in no, no, we have cats. Uh, oh, yeah, I caught, oh, yeah, one day a dead mouse came to attack me. Uh, <laughs> I, did. I pulled down this bucket, and there was a dead mouse in it, and I threw it. I said, David, you have to go get that. <laughs> Yes, I did. So don't judge me. I knew I have, I have resources to take care of the dead mice that I'm under attack from. So this comes from Hebrews in the Holy Spirit's interpretation. And it says, today is now. 
The mistake you make is thinking that today is tomorrow. And so you see your true desire, but you put it off until another time. Truly, I tell you, if you do not choose the true desire of the heart now, it is because you believe that another desire may still be dearest to you. If you believe that another desire is dearest to the truth of your heart, you are sleeping because you have forgotten who you are and you have forgotten the truth of what you want. So often we want something because we think it will make us happy. And so we're hanging out in the waiting room waiting for happiness. We're hanging out in the waiting room waiting to be loved. We're hanging out in the waiting room waiting uh, to be special. We're hanging out in the waiting room. My life changed radically when I stopped hanging out in the waiting room years ago. I took affirmative action after affirmative action after affirmative action, trusting that if it failed, it was still a success because I took an affirmative action, because I was one of those people that hid and I was so afraid I hid in a sound and light booth for years when I wanted to be on stage. I hid behind alcohol and cigarettes because I was afraid of showing my light. I was, because I was, here's the thing, I was afraid if I showed my light, still nobody would want it. I was afraid of being ashamed, of sh not ashamed, I was already ashamed. I was afraid of being shamed. I was afraid to ask anybody out because they would tell me I was ugly and no one would ever want to be with me. I spent my life afraid every day, every day, every day. And then when it came down to basically life or death, I chose life. Well, if you're going to choose life, choose it more abundantly. And so I found groups of people who had already gone through what I did and came out very successfully. And I met with those people and I talked with those people and I shared with individuals. I got mentors and I, 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 I had to laugh. I, I remember one day I was talking to uh, a mentor and, and he, I said, oh, I'm sorry to be complaining about this. He said, oh no, Sean, I'm the one you should talk to about this so some old guy doesn't come up to you in a gathering and say, what's the matter, kid? Don't you have a support system? Because you're, you're, you're just splaying your, your misery all over a group. And I, so I learned to uh, talk to my mentors and bring the solution to my groups. And that, that worked well for me, except people thought I didn't have any problems. <laughs> they said, you never have any problems, Sean. I said, yes, I do. But I talked to this person, and then I bring the solution to you. They went, oh. One person, when I had about nine years into my healing, came up to me after I had shared in a group and said, you know, I, me and some of the guys, we used to think you just had it too easy, Sean. Now I say, you just wanted it. You just really wanted it. I did because I had no alternative. See, some people think what they have alternatives. They can delay their good for a while and just sit in their misery. Or they can learn how to make their misery more manageable. I didn't have time for that. I knew I was done with the old way of life. I, just, I couldn't handle that anymore. So I didn't want to hang out in the waiting room. So when I started the healing and then I started doing service in the world, I started actually making a difference 
sometimes one-on-one, sometimes in groups, sometimes just answering phones and support groups to help people. And and I just knew that the best way to go support people was to learn how to rollerblade to get there. <laughs> Man, I have no athletic experience, but I thought it looks like fun. I see these people going all over the city on rollerblades. I wanted to do it. And I, I remember the thing that really inspired me was, was right after uh, Jackie Onassis died. And her son was out in the park the next day with Daryl Hannah, of all people, and they were rollerblading. And I thought, well, he's not worried about falling down in front of everybody and looking foolish. Who knows me? (laughs) The next day, I was on rollerblades. And I taught myself how to rollerblade. I I went over by the, the... the water, the Hudson River, and there were railings there, and there was a path, and I would go back and forth, holding on, holding on, holding on, until I could get the whole way. And I thought, well, now let's try going around the block. You know, I didn't have to do the whole city in one fell but I, I went around the block, and I didn't fall down. I wore my wrist guards, my knee pads, and I, uh, I made, so let's go two blocks. Let's go, and I became really good at it. I, I said, I became really good at going forward. <laughs> I didn't do tricks. I did not trust that uh, that I would do tricks well, and I, I didn't have insurance at the time, so there was there was no room for accidents. But I went forward really, really well, and I was all over that city for years, and I, I'd always have a song in my head, and I, I could just zoom, zoom, zoom down Ninth Avenue all over the city, city, and, and I. And then one year I heard, Sean, you're done with rollerblades. Your good is about to run out from under you or, or, or roll over top of you in the street. And I stopped. Fortunately, it was just as we were moving up here. But I, I heard the voice that said, Sean, I, I don't like this term, but your, your luck is about to run out with this. And so I, I stopped rollerblading, and now I couldn't put on a pair to save myself. I tried it once after we got up here. They hurt. It was a whole different thing. My muscles had, had uh, atrophied, apparently. But I was on to my next good. My next good was to minister. My next good was to... pat. No, not minister. I'd already ministered. Pastor. I don't know how many of you have ever pastored a church. It's nerve-wracking when you start. Because you're making up in your head what you think is yours to do, and you're forgetting what is God's to do. When you work with people, when you look at people, when you hear people, and you start to forget because you're seeing their expectations and, uh, and how seriously they take you when you so did not mean to be serious in that moment. I, and so... I I, uh, I spent a lot of moments vacillating between the waiting room and being in it, and, and I, I I you know somebody would confront me with something and I'd go hide, waiting for my next good to start. And over the years, I, I started hiding more and more. I went uh, hanging out in the waiting room, waiting for the next good. But I couldn't imagine, I couldn't foresee what the next good was because I'd once again forgotten about serenity. I forgot that serenity and my source is my current good and it's my next good. My connection to my source, which is my assurance of life and life more abundantly. I'd forgotten about that, and I had to start working at that again. 
and, and you know, I, I, I'd be singing that, why God, why God, hear my prayer. And I, and I, and I, I forgot what I had to do. I think I said this in church last week, the week before I heard somebody say recently, God provides the boat, but I have to row to shore. And I didn't want to row to shore. I was tired. And so I had to row anyway. It didn't matter if I felt tired. I felt tired because I forgot who I was. I'd forgotten what I was. And now I work on that a lot. I work on that a whole lot. And so let's look at the heaven aspect of it, the waiting room. Hanging out in the waiting room and so many people said to me, oh, does that mean like you're waiting to get into heaven? So I looked up heaven, as one is wont to do. And the first one I found is in Matthew. Oh, I just love when I do this. Oh, here we go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Matthew, I think, 14. But it says, Do not be confused by what you see in the world, for heaven is nothing like the world at all. In the world, there are differences, there are conflicts, there is suffering, and there is death. But none of these things exist in heaven. Think of the world as a dream, for it seems real while you are here. But think of heaven as awakening. Upon reaching heaven, you will realize that the world and all you thought there was, all you thought there was never true, and so it mattered not. I tell you, the truth is always true, and there is no truth in the world. Do not let your worldly concerns distract you. Uh, lay them aside that you may continue your journey and awaken to that which calls you. So my thought is, how many people here are waiting for someone in this world to apologize to you? Somebody owes you an apology. You're making that up. Nobody owes us an apology. Nobody owes us an apology. We might apologize to ourselves for having been there at that time with those thoughts we were holding. You know, I've got a neighbor I'm still waiting for an apology for, so I'm hanging out in the waiting room. And I'm ignoring the good of the very street I live on because of my thoughts about this person. I'm robbing myself of the good that he may have to offer or the good that I may have to offer him. I notice it, haven't found my way to it yet. But to observe, oh, 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 oh. I, re I remember early on in my 12-step training, I, uh, a bunch of us were going to coffee one night and there was a newcomer there a kid, and he said something rude to a friend of mine who had years. Spreading and she's there. He owes me an amends. And I said, no, you probably owe him one. If you think he owes you one, then you owe him one. You're the adult here. You know, it, it amazes me with all the healing work we do, with everything that we show up for and the books that we read and the songs that we sing, and we can still take offense so easily that someone who never meant to rob us of our dignity or the love that we are, we will hand it over to someone who doesn't have a clue what to do with it. We will hand over our dignity and say, here, take this. Now give it back. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't want it in the first place. And so think about that. Next time somebody owes you an apology. 
And it's hard. It's so hard. But it's not impossible. With God, all things are possible. So how am I going to heal this relationship? And I've healed several by my coming forth. By me coming forth and saying, hey, let's talk. Hey, I'm ready to love. Hey, want to go to dinner? And we never even talk about the thing that pulled us apart. And I have one friend like that, and we've never needed to. And we are very good friends. That, that hurt thing was from years before. And neither one of us were still holding on to it. Especially once I made the phone call and said, I want to have dinner. It's, I, I marvel at that. I do seek to apologize as quickly as I can. As soon as I realize where I've come up short, I do seek to apologize so that I acknowledge the dignity of another human being. If I don't realize it, then why would I apologize? And, and all of you in this church, all of you in this church, if I have offended you, please come to me and talk to me about it. Don't wait for me to be a good parent. Please don't wait. Don't, don't put that distance between us. It's happened many times. Somebody's mad because I had never reached out to them a few years ago when they were sick. And it's like, I didn't know you were sick. And, it's like, I, and so all of us, let's please not hold on to grudges, not hold on to resentments. Uh, let's seek to heal, seek to heal, seek to discuss. And sometimes you just got to wait. You just timing is everything. But you're not hanging out in the waiting room. Here's what you're doing. You're praying. You're actively praying to acknowledge I am willing to have a great healing here between myself and this person. Spirit, show me how. And every time you have a thought of this person, you go back to the prayer spirit. I am willing. Am I? And then you look for any unwillingness. And if you can't find any, any, then it must be time to approach them. And what if they're long gone? Then go ahead and have the healing anyhow. That's how I did with my dad. And, it, and, it's, and it, it's very impressive. But this way, we're living life. We're not waiting for it to start. I have one last reading. From Timothy chapter 5, and it says, Your reward is secure in heaven, and heaven is within your mind now. In case we're wondering where heaven is. Heaven is within your mind now. Heaven is not earned. Heaven is with you. And the awareness of heaven is chosen. But you shall not know heaven if you choose to separate yourself from it. For heaven is looking at you now as the expression of your own freedom. So, gang, we're all free to choose today. We're all free to choose heaven today. He's not about to sing that song. But, uh, <laughs> but you can sing it after you leave here. <laughs> I'm choosing heaven today. We don't have to wait any longer. Our good is already here. We've walked up the steps today to accept it. We've turned on our computers today to accept it. Congratulations, everybody.